Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, here as always with my dear, dear, dear friend, white boy, Malcolm X. <laughs> you got a couple of extra deers in there. Since you were such a, a good friend last week, you came over on a Wednesday to help me do a special podcast, which I hope you all enjoyed. And I'm I'm thinking about maybe doing it again this Wednesday. Depends on how quickly we can get through today's pile. If we've got some good stories that are not time sensitive that we can roll over to Wednesday, we might go ahead and do that. So no promises, but we'll we'll see how things go this week if I can if, if, if I got the time to do it. But before we get into today's program, and speaking of last Wednesday's uh, special podcast, I do have two corrections from that podcast. And I'll do that right here at the top of the podcast. Number one, apparently, we're discussing uh, a couple times about Popeye porn. And if you don't know what that is, it's, well, Pornhub was releasing all this data related to the election results. And apparently in the state of Louisiana, Popeye porn was the number one search. <laughs> don't ask me why. We don't know what it is. We're trying to figure it out. But apparently last last Wednesday, I said Popeye porn. And then I, when I kept mentioning it afterwards, I re- would refer to it as popcorn porn, which God knows what that is too. I'm sure that's out there. But anyway, if you were confused because I said Popeye porn and then I continue to say popcorn porn, that's why. We still don't know what it is. White Boy Malcolm X, did you look that up? Now, Summit Mistress doesn't know either. She's not searching. So we don't know. If you're from Louisiana or you live in Louisiana and you know what Popeye porn is, please let us know. The other correction I have to do is... Last week, I was giving uh, out my Twitter handle, and my Twitter handle is at Miller Frost Show, but apparently, I kept saying at Miller Frost Online, which is my email address, Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com, but I kept talking about my Twitter handle as at Miller Frost Online is actually at Miller Frost Show. And speaking of Twitter, folks... I hope you're sitting down because I lost my Twitter suspension virginity over, uh, what was it, Thursday or Friday? I can't remember. Over a, a, a joke I had. So someone had asked a hypothetical question. What would you do if David Hogg came to your front door and, and asked to take away all your guns? And if you don't know who David Hogg is, he's one of those kids. He's just like little chinless little uh, Twinkie thing that was at, I guess, Marjorie something high school where a couple of kids got shot. And so he's now become this rabid anti-gun advocate. And and he goes around, you know, giving speeches and whatnot. So that was the hypothetical. What would you do if this little chinless twink showed up at your door and was like, give me your guts. And so I said, 
rather tongue-in-cheek. I said I would bitch slap him and send him back to his mama crying. And apparently, folks, if you say you're going to bitch slap someone on Twitter, it will get you 12 hours suspended for trying to incite violence. I don't think bitch... White Boy Macamax, do you think a bitch slap is inciting violence? <laughs> yes, I agree. Some people do deserve it. Absolutely. And I do talk about, you know, punching people in the face who do TikTok dances. But I, I do say I'm just joking around. I'm not advocating violence. So I guess I will not say anything about bitch slapping anyone ever again on Twitter because Hobo Jack did not like that in the least. So we're done with our corrections. Are you ready to go into the pile? And yes, White Boy Malcolm X, the gay stuff is first. And this one is from the Philadelphia Gay News. City of Philadelphia scores 100% on LGBTQ Municipal Equality Index. And when I saw that headline, I kind of, I gave pause because we've been talking about it a couple times uh, on the podcast, how there was an article in the exact same Philadelphia Gay News about how there is so much systemic racism in the gayborhood in Philadelphia, all those white queens, bunch of nothing but a bunch of racists down there. So this was just, I found this a little odd. But let's dig in and find out what they're talking about here. The city of Philadelphia has received a perfect score on the Human Rights Campaign's Municipal Equality Index, which assesses LGBTQ equality in municipal policy, law, and services. So nothing to do with those racist white queens in the gayborhood. It's just about the city of Philadelphia. And if you don't know, folks, the Human Rights Campaign is my favorite, favorite professional gay organization. The index ranks cities based on criteria including LGBTQ non-discrimination laws, benefits for LGBTQ employees, equal access to public services, and fair enforcement of the law. Which is good to see, actually, because generally speaking, there is always systemic racism in law enforcement. But Philadelphia apparently apparently has solved that problem. They have fair enforcement of the law there. Other areas across the region scored in the index, including Allentown, Reading, New Hope, Wilmington, Harrisburg, and Rehoboth Beach. And if you folks in Pennsylvania pronounce it reading, I apologize, up here in, in Massachusetts, even though it says reading, everyone up here calls it Reading. The index ranked 506 cities in total, including all 50 state capitals and the 200 largest cities in the country. 94 cities received a perfect 100 score on the index, with the average score this year being 64. The states of North Dakota, Nebraska, Virginia, and Kansas reported the greatest gains, with 34 more states also improving their region's overall scores from last year. The index also revealed that compared to last year, more cities now have trans-inclusive health care benefits, anti-conversion therapy ordinances, as well as policies requiring contractors to have non-discrimination protections that cover sexual orientation and or gender identity. Since City Council passed the first LGBTQ non-discrimination law in 1982, Philadelphia has been consistently ranked as one of the most LGBTQ-inclusive places in the country. Now, we know that's not true. (laughs) We know that is flat-out not true. You white queens in Philadelphia, you're still a pack of racists. In addition to receiving a perfect score on the Municipal Equality Index, the city was also recognized by the MEI for going above and beyond the stated criteria, including protecting youth from conversion therapy and for providing services specifically for LGBTQ youth, seniors, homeless, and the transgender community. So there you go, folks in Philadelphia. I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, 
I wonder how big that check was to the human rights campaign because that's what a professional gay organization does. They just collect lots of money. They run around and scream homophobia, transphobia, this, that, and the other, and they get those checks written. I wonder how much they got paid for that 100 score, if anything. And as an aside, white boy Malcolm X, since you make me read these gay stories, <laughs> I am so tired. I just wish you remember the old days when it was just the gay community. Now I have to go LGBTQ+. I mean, that's just a mouthful. When I could have just said the gay community and just called it a day. But then we had to add lesbians. And then we had to add bisexuals. And then we had to add transgenders. And then we had to add questioning. And then we had to add the plus. Because you can't forget the plus. So that's that's done. This is a follow-up story, and this is from the Daily Beast, and this has to do, folks, with the gay sex party, the legs in the air party that was going on in Brussels, Belgium. And here's the headline. COVID orgy host. Lawmakers from nine countries came to my sex parties. So that queen knows how to throw a legs in the air party like nobody else. The organizer of a lockdown-busting sex party in the EU's capital city involving around 25 men, has claimed that politicians from nine countries have been frequent guests at his orgies. In a wide-ranging interview in the Polish news outlet Onet, David Manzelli, whose Friday night sex soiree in his Brussels apartment, <laughs> folks, you know it's a gay orgy if they're calling it a soiree, led to the resignation of an anti-LGBTQ European parliamentarian, Joseph Cesar, say that male lawmakers from nine countries were frequent guests at his sex parties. Many public figures from various countries appear at my events, including Polish politicians. Manzelli told Onet they have families and they have asked from the outset to keep their participation in the gay orgy a secret. Manzelli, who was reported to be wanted for fraud in Poland, which he denies, of course, described himself as a hobbyist organizing gay orgies with up to 100 people. He has scaled back the parties due to Belgium's strict anti-COVID lockdown measures. Well, white boy Malcolm X. Now that, that is quite a hobby to take up. I mean, I think, I think to keep myself busy, I am just going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do orgies, legs in the air parties. <laughs> Lots of bottoms. Just get all those bottoms in here. Mercy. He also claimed that he has hosted nine politicians from hard-right Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban's Fidesz party, which crusades against LGBTQ rights. So apparently, folks, the Fidesz party is a bunch of self-loathing queens. Jeez, they like those legs in the air party. Calls to the party headquarters for comment have not been answered. Why wouldn't answer that phone either? We have politicians from Ukraine, France, Germany, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, Sweden, and Spain, Manzetti said. However, the most frequent guests, are you ready for this, white boy Malcolm X, are Poles and Hungarians. <laughs> I can only imagine that party with Poles and Hungarians making up most of those queens. Mercy me. Yikes. That's got to be a little bit frightening. Manzelli described his parties as adhering to the bareback format, which he says meant no condoms were used among the participants, though he insisted all had been tested for the coronavirus. Coronavirus, folks, is not what I would be worried about in that situation. God. Syphilis. Herpes. He said that all guests must participate in what he called a daddy orgy, meaning no one could be spectator. No phones or photos are allowed. So, folks, if you are there, if you're a, a Hungarian or a Pole and you are there, you got to get in there. No condoms and everyone's in there. In the interview posted Thursday, he described how many of the guests thought the police were props for the gathering 
and participants tried to undo the police officer's pants, which was met with violence from the cops. Manzelli believes that the call to police came from a man who organizes similar parties nearby. He lives two blocks from me and is my competition. So folks, if you are in Belgium and you are a raging queen and you're not, even if you're not Polish or Hungarian, you can still apparently go to these things. Now you have two options to go to for one of these sex orgy parties. You know, White Boy Malcolm X, this does remind me though, folks, we had probably a couple months ago, there was a story about the Baltimore Eagle. And at the Baltimore Eagle, they have phone parties. And if you don't know what a phone party is, you don't want to know. I Not that I've, I've never been to that either. Man, I have missed out on a lot, I think. But I have not been to one. But apparently, that, that situation was that the, they got busted by the cops. The cops came in and, and shut down the party. And they blamed, they blamed a bunch of drag queens at a competing venue for, for busting up the, the phone party because they, they wanted all the customers over at the drag queen show. <laughs> My God, White Boy Malcolm X, why? Why is the gay community so full of drama? And why do I retain such knowledge? Man, so he's blaming his competition who lives a couple blocks away. I guess there's, there's heavy competition for, for sex parties and, and, of course, Belgium. This is from The Hill. Male Texas teen suspended from school for wearing nail polish. So not all the men in Texas are men. A high schooler in Texas is accusing his school of a double standard for male students after he was given an in-school suspension for wearing nail polish to class. Trevor Wilkinson, a senior at Clyde High School in Clyde, Texas, received the suspension measure after returning to school following the Thanksgiving holiday with his nails painted. So that girl got her nails done over Thanksgiving. Imagine your school not allowing boys to paint their nails and giving boys ISS for it, he tweeted Monday. And the whole administration being okay with it? Homophobic and sexist? Welcome to West Texas. The nail polish violates the school's dress code for boys, according to the Clyde High School Student Handbook. Male students are not allowed to wear makeup or nail polish. If the campus administrator determines that a student's grooming or clothing violates the school's dress code, the student will be given an opportunity to correct the problem at school. If not corrected, the student may be assigned to in-school suspension for the remainder of the day until the problem is corrected or until a parent or designee brings an acceptable change of clothing to the school the handbook reads. But Wilkinson, who said he was given the opportunity to remove the nail polish to avoid suspension, argued that the punishment is a complete double standard because girls are allowed to paint and get their nails done. So that queen was like, not having that. That was not an option to take off her, her little pretty nails. And he continues, Not only that, but freedom of expression is validation enough that the dress code and policy is not okay. I am a gay male and I'm beyond proud. This is unjust and not okay. The 17-year-old high schooler wrote in a change.org petition calling for the school to allow male students to wear nail polish. The petition has garnered over 41,000 signatures as of Saturday. White Boy Malcolm X, would you like would you like more of this Queen's quotes? You would. I'm about ready to put the story aside, but okay, we'll continue this. Help me show that it is okay to express yourself and that the identity that society wants to normalize is not okay. I am a human. I am valid. I should not get into trouble for having my nails done. Sign and share this so people like me don't ever have to deal with this again, he continued according to the petition. And White Boy Malcolm X, he used the word valid. And folks are like, who cares? That's one of those those transgender code words. So maybe he's like Elliot 
Page, Ellen Page's new name. That he's like, he comes out as gay and then he's going to come out as, if he's throwing the word valid out, you never know. He could be transgender tomorrow. Anyway, Trevor, sister girlfriend, let me give you a little piece of advice, even if it's unsolicited. Grow up, for Christ's sakes. Your nails painted at school is not the hill to die on, okay? Just stop it. You got six months to graduation, and then you can move to San Francisco, and you know all the other queens have their nails painted out there, and you'll just be one of a thousand. So just stop it. Grow up. Mercy. Ugh. Okay, we got one more gay story. This one's gonna. This I'm as annoyed with this one. That's the last one. And this is from a website called BoundingIntoComics.com. I've never heard of it, but here's the article. Here's the headline. Emily. Radajowski. I I know who this chick is, White Boy Michael, but I, is that how you pronounce her name? Well, I don't know either. These names, I tell you what, the last couple of weeks with these names. So anyway, Emily, if you're listening, and before you get angry at what I'm going to say, um, I, I'm not butchering your name on purpose. I just, it's like 26 letters. <laughs> Radajowski, that's what we're going to call it. Anyway, Emily Radajowski says her child will choose their gender at 18, claims she's been traumatized by white men. Well, <laughs> Welcome to the club, honey. Who hasn't? Gone Girl actress Emily Ratajkowski recently claimed that she will allow her child to choose their gender at 18. But not only did she discuss that her child will choose their gender, she also claimed that she's been traumatized by white men. Ratajkowski's comments were made public when she penned an article for Vogue discussing her pregnancy. She wrote, When my husband and I tell friends that I'm pregnant, their first question after congratulations is almost always, Do you know what you want? We like to respond that we won't know the gender until our child is 18 and that they'll let us know then. The actress continued, There's a truth to our line, though, one that hints at possibilities that are much more complex than whatever genitalia our child might be born with, the truth that we ultimately have no idea who, rather than what, is growing inside my belly. Who will this person be? What kind of person will we become parents to? How will they change our lives and who we are? This is a wondrous and terrifying concept, one that renders us both helpless and humbled. And she continues, I like the idea of forcing as few gender stereotypes on my child as possible, but no matter how progressive I may hope to be, I understand the desire to know the gender of our fetus. It feels like the first real opportunity to glimpse who they might be. As my body changes in bizarre and unfamiliar ways, it's comforting to obtain any information that might make what's coming feel more real. She added, so White Boy Malcolm X, let me just make sure, I, I, as we continue on this story, and I'm not going to read this whole thing, it's way too long and she's too annoying, but let me let me just make sure I understand this. So she's, she is not going to discuss gender with that child until the child is 18. Right? I guess they're going to paint the, the nursery like a neutral gray, <laughs> and the kid's going to be whatever the kid is. Let's say it's a boy, and they're going to start, the kid's going to obviously start talking about boys and girls, and, and probably going to ask, Mommy, what am I? And she'll be like... I don't know. Tell me when you're 18. And the kid will be like, I'm a boy. No, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that until you're 18. Man, I'd like to see how that, that's going to work out for her, that she's not going to talk to that kid about gender until the kid's 18 years old. That kid is going to be... <laughs> that kid's going to be in therapy for, for, for decades. Anyway, this goes on, and I'm not going to read too much more of it. She would then go on to discuss how women and men are different from each other biologically. My husband likes to say that we're pregnant. I tell him that while the sentiment is sweet, it's not entirely true. 
I resent that his entire family's DNA is inside of me, but that my DNA is not inside of him, she writes. She continues, it just seems unfair, I say, and we both laugh. It's kind of a joke, but just like the remark we make about our child's gender, there's a truth behind it. Oh, my God. Her poor husband, man. In the article, Radajowski would also explain why she's scared of having a son. She explains, I've known far too many white men who move through the world unaware of their privilege, and I've been traumatized by many of my experiences with them. And boys, too. It's shocking to realize how early young boys gain a sense of entitlement to girls' bodies and to the world in general. I'm not scared of raising a bad guy, as many of the men I've known who abuse their power do so unintentionally. But I'm terrified of inadvertently cultivating the carelessness and the lack of awareness that are so convenient for men, she elaborated. Well, if she's not going to talk to the boy about his gender, it's I, I don't know how she's going to fix that. God, can you imagine white boy Malcolm X being her husband and him saying, oh, you know, we're, we're, um, we're pregnant. And she starts in with this kind of tirade about his DNA being up all inside her. And he puts up with it, I guess. Man, he must be a, a raging pajama boy, a complete spineless individual to have that running around the house going, we're not discussing the gender of this child till it's 18 and your stinking nasty DNA is all up inside me. Okay, Emily. Okay. God help that kid. Okay, this is from the Washington Times, and this is where it gets fun. Black Lives Matter movement imploding over internal power struggle, money grabs. Black Lives Matter is facing a rebellion within its own ranks as regional affiliates seek greater control over the movement and demand answers about where millions of dollars in donations have gone. One can only imagine. After years of tensions between the national organization and local outlets, the rift went public this week after the release of a statement by 10 BLM chapters accusing the top brass at the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation of failing to open their books or share the wealth within the rank and file. For years, there has been inquiry regarding the financial operations of BLMGN and no acceptable process of either public or internal transparency about the unknown millions of dollars donated to BLMGN, which has certainly increased during this time of pandemic and rebellion, reads the statement from the front lines of BLM posted Monday. To the best of our knowledge, most chapters have received little to no financial support from BLMGN since the launch in 2013, the statement reads. The grassroots revolt comes with the BLM Global Network Foundation, the group founded by Patrice Coolers, Alicia Garza, and Opal Tometi in 2013 as Black Lives Matter, undergoing a rapid expansion and reorganization in the wake of the George Floyd protests, which dramatically raised the group's political and financial profile. You could say that. They have raked up white by Malcolm X. I don't know how many millions of dollars, like Nike and, and Coca-Cola and Target and all those other companies just... Keep writing those checks to them. They they cashing in. I tell you what, you know what this is? Everyone everyone wants to get paid. So Patrice there, who's the world's crankiest lesbian, if there ever was one, and Alicia and Opal are sitting there on this massive pile of cash handed over to them by these woke companies that want to you know virtue signal. So they, here's a, here's a couple million dollars. Just please don't call us racist. They're sitting on that, and all these local chapters are like, uh, where's where's ours? You know, it's like the mafia or something. God. Don't worry, folks. If you are in a local BLM chapter and you're sitting there going, 
you know, complaining about Patrice and Alicia and Opal keeping all the money. <laughs> Don't worry. Creepy Uncle Joe is on the way. He will help. He will, you know, do, you'll do those community, uh, community activist grants and you all will be raking in the money as well. So settle down out there. Just settle down. Give it time. And we can go from Black Lives Matter to Black Lives Don't Matter. And this is from Breitbart. Listen to this, White Boy Malcolm X. Over 3,800 people shot in Chicago during the first 11 months of 2020. So, folks, black lives don't matter. Data shows more than 3,800 people were shot January 1st, 2020 through December 1st, 2020 in Mayor Lori Lightfoot's Chicago. The Chicago Tribune reports the precise figure at 3,862 and that includes shooting victims who survived their wounds as well as those who died from their injuries. A second table of data from the Tribune focused solely on the fatality shows 715 were killed January through December 1st. The Tribune data comes one day after Breitbart News reported 12 people were shot on Monday, November 30th, 2020 alone. One of those shooting victims succumbed to his injuries. You know what's amazing to me, White Boy Malcolm X? And this goes above and beyond the, the the black lives don't really matter. It just depends, right? If if a cop, you know, if you get some rogue cop that goes and kills someone, it just, everyone goes like nuts for, for what are we on now, eight months of this? But, you know, 715 people in the city of Chicago alone, just Chicago, 715 people killed and nobody says a damn word. And it, what else is interesting is I, I saw an article, I didn't, I don't think I reported on it, but... There was all this, because I guess it was like trans, some transnational holiday, transgender holiday or something like that recently. And they said 37 transgenders have been killed in the U.S. this year. Talking about the increase in trans violence. 37 people. And it was all over the news. All the media reported this. 715 in the city of Chicago. And you don't hear a, a peep about it. Nothing. I guarantee, though, there were 715 transgenders that were killed. You hear that? You've been hearing that from now to forever. This is a Washington Examiner story, and here's the headline. Democratic mayor arrested after allegedly driving drunk and falling asleep in White Castle drive through before crashing into poll. And I don't know about you folks, but White Castle is disgusting. <laughs> Ugh. Jesus. I have to be drunk. <laughs> I don't really blame her at this point. I mean, if you're going to like, I'm going to go get White Castle, then you better be liquored up. And let's find out what's going on with this. A Kentucky mayor was arrested Tuesday night after allegedly driving under the influence of alcohol and falling asleep at the wheel in a White Castle drive through before crashing into a pole. Shively, Kentucky Mayor Beverly Chester Burton, and Chester Burton is hyphenated, was arrested and charged with driving under the influence after officers found her standing outside her crashed car near a Louisville White Castle restaurant, according to the Courier-Journal. Witnesses have said Chester Burton fell asleep in her silver Cadillac and that several people tried to wake her by knocking on her window. At some point, Chester Burton struck the rear of a truck, which was pushed into the rear of another vehicle, a citation said. She then exited the parking lot, striking the pole. Officers said they could smell alcohol from the mayor's breath and that she informed them she was consumed two apple martinis, but was unable to point to a specific time, according to the citation issued. Chester Burton agreed to a field sobriety test and was unable to keep her head straight or walk in a straight line during that test. I blame the White Castle. So, White Boy Malcolm X. Let me make sure I understand this correctly. So, she goes to the White Castle. She's drunk. She gets in line. She orders her White Castle. (laughs) 
But I guess she didn't get the White Castle because she, she passed out waiting for it. And she hits a car that hits another car. And then she, like, drives off and it's a pole. You know what she should do, White Boy Malcolm X? And, and Beverly, if you're listening, um, folks, if you didn't know this, Beverly was elected. She is a Democrat, of course. And she was elected in 2018. And she is the first black mayor of the town. In the 80-year history of that town, she's the first. And she's been there two years. She's drunk driving in a Cadillac and falls asleep in a White Castle. <laughs> drive through. But she should, I would, if I were her, I would pull a Joanne Hardesty. Um, and folks, she's the Lyft driver, uh, city council person out in Portland who screamed races. That's what I would do if I were, if I were Beverly, is I would scream races. <laughs> she had to go to White Castle drunk because the word white was in this. <laughs> Plus the sandwiches suck. But then you, she was looking at that thinking white supremacy. So she had to have a couple cocktails. And I would just blame the cops. Ah, here's another one. This is from the Daily Caller. And here's the headline. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez offers $58 tax the rich sweatshirt. And if you don't know, folks, AOC is as dumb as a cocktail olive. And I have to apologize to the cocktail olive for the comparison. Democratic New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez announced that pre-orders were available on her website for a $58 tax-rich sweatshirt. Ocasio-Cortez said in a Wednesday tweet that pre-orders were open on her site for the tax-the-rich crewneck sweatshirt listed at $58, along with several other items in support of key policies and platforms such as fighting racism, canceling student debt, and the Green New Deal. The site included listings for a t-shirt that read, and one just apparently has a, a comma on it, one touting the Green New Deal and another that read, drink water and don't be racist. <laughs> God. I bet she came up with that all on her own. Man, I tell you what, at White Boy Malcolm X, everybody wants to get paid. She's another one. Came to do good and, and doing very well indeed. So mark my words, folks. Mark my words. She's going to be another one. She goes to uh, to Congress as a as a bartender making what 30 grand a year and she will leave leave the House of Representatives a multimillionaire. Because that's just what they do up there. Ugh, another one that's aggravating me. Brian Cranston, who is Walter White on that Crystal Mess show or was, says his Showtime series Your Honor shows how justice system benefits those with white privilege. Heavens no. Actor Brian Cranston said that white privilege has helped create an imbalanced criminal justice system in this country that adversely impacts black, Latino, and poor people. The actor made the comments in an interview with Variety to promote his new Showtime limited series, Your Honor, in which he plays a New Orleans judge who gets into trouble when his son Adam, played by Hunter Dewan, is involved in a hit-and-run accident. There are characters in it that are completely devoted to the justice system. As flawed as it may be at times... Does it work for everyone? No. And this show will expose that frailty, the prejudice, that it bends its knees to those who are powerful or rich or have white privilege, all of which Michael tries to use to his advantage, Cranston told the trade publication. In a way, it is reflective of our times and the complexity of racial relations and the unjust nature of being poor, black, or Hispanic in the system and how justice has more than one scale depending on who you are. Actor Hunter Dewan seconded his co-star's view on racial injustice, saying that it would have been irresponsible for the series not to address white privilege or systemic racism. And I am not reading this stupid kid's quote. <laughs> oh, a couple more vapid, 
vapid actors from Hollywood virtue signaling. Man, oh man. Okay then, Walter White. Sell that meth. I'm not reading these stories, but this is this is why people hate the media. I'll give you two headlines. One is from Forbes and one is from Current Affairs, and it doesn't matter really which is which. The first headline is Cancel student loans would benefit this group more than anyone else. Canceling student loans would benefit the wealthiest Americans more than any other group. And then here's the other headline. Is student debt cancellation regressive? No. And these articles, folks, these articles are mutually exclusive. You can't have it both ways. They either are or are not regressive. And so Forbes and Current Affairs... You can get their acts together. This is what people hate the media because you get two articles that basically say the exact, they argue the exact opposite and they're supposedly fact-based reporting and they're coming to the exact opposite conclusions. I'm not even going to read those. Those are, you know, that's the media for you. I'll tell you one thing one day and something completely different the next. This is a Washington Post story. This is a follow-up story. And for my summit mistress, this is a Nolan story. And here's the headline. Yes, White Boy Malcolm X. We are in, we haven't gone to Florida yet, folks, but we are in Nolan's. Because now we're getting to the fun stuff. Now we're in the fun pile. Everyone loves the fun pile. New Orleans Swingers event becomes super spreader after 41 tests positive for coronavirus. So that's right, folks. We reported on the New Orleans Swingers party a couple weeks ago and how they were doing all these COVID preparations. But apparently, 41 of them, 41 of those folks got the COVID. So let's find out a little bit more. With no dance floor and strict new coronavirus guidelines, attendees at the 2020 Naughty Nolans Swingers Convention swayed in place at their tables and flirted behind face masks from a distance. After being tested for coronavirus and agreeing to wear masks, about 250 people checked into a New Orleans hotel for the Swingers Convention on November 14th to reconnect a community separated by the pandemic. A little more than two weeks later, 41 attendees have tested positive for the virus, according to the event's organizer, in an outbreak that led local officials to call the convention a super-spreader event. A spokesman for the New Orleans Democratic Mayor Latoya Cantrell said the event was a very stark example of what can happen when you don't obey the social distance guidelines. (laughs) At a swingers convention? Seriously. My boy Malcolm X, what kind of social distance guidelines can you get at a swingers convention? And, And this reminds me of, there was that stupid school in um, Minnesota that basically told the college kids there, you can, you know, do whatever you want, you know, fool around, bang away, but don't kiss. <laughs> You're supposed to have sex, hook up with a mask on. Apparently, it didn't work at the swingers convention, so I don't know if that, that uh, stupid school is going to have to revise their, their sex pamphlets. NOLA.com first reported the outbreak on Tuesday after event organizer Bob Hannaford recently published a blog post detailing the safety failures that led to the outbreak. I wouldn't do it again if I knew then what I know now, Hannaford said in a post. It weighs on me and will continue to weigh on me until everyone is 100% better. Is he White Boy Malcolm X? Because if I remember correctly, and I didn't pull the old article, there was the kinky couple. And I think, I don't know, I don't, you know, I don't know if Bob is, is part of the kinky couple or not. But there is the kinky couple in New Orleans. I hope they're okay. I hope the kinky couple did not catch the COVID. 
The city did not require a permit for the annual Swingers Convention, which was a little more than a tenth of its usual size this year because of the pandemic. The event's organizers said they met with city officials before the convention to discuss safety measures to avoid spreading the virus among attendees. So normally, folks, this this Swingers Convention, the Naughty New Orleans, normally gets about 2,500 people. Ugh. Can you can you imagine what that site looks like? It's got to be where I just don't want to have sex with any of you folks. I'm going to go home. Organizers also asked attendees to keep detailed diaries, talk about kiss and tell, of everyone they had contact with for more than 10 minutes at the convention, regardless of whether that contact involved sex, Hannaford said. So if you had a quickie, that doesn't count. Group socializing in the hotel were limited to nine or fewer individuals, and people were encouraged to wear masks unless they were eating or drinking. Then, the day after the convention ended, the text messages began. We had our first positive case, he said. It was a wife who tested positive on Monday night. After our event, her husband tested negative. Both were tested prior to coming to the event. In other words, she got she got a bit luckier than he did. Well, not too lucky. She got the COVID. Speaking of the COVID and sex, this is a New York Post article. COVID-19 could cause erectile dysfunction success. As if 2020 hasn't been deflating enough, one medical expert now claims COVID-19 could cause erectile dysfunction. With the pandemic crushing spirits and finances all across the world for months, one doctor told NBC's Chicago affiliate the virus also had left some male patients short on their ability in the bedroom. So no, no swingers parties for you folks. We now know that people can have long-term health effects from this virus, neurological complications, and now for men who are watching this, there is some real concern here that men could have long-term issues of erectile dysfunction from this virus because we know that it causes issues in the vasculature, said Dr. Dina Grayson. So there you go, folks. No more hard-ons due to the COVID. This is from the Tennessean. Another COVID story. Good Lord. One more COVID story. This is it. Nashville police are criminally charging three women, including a registered nurse, for violating Metro Health orders after hosting a large house party on Halloween. Mm, they got COVID care and angry with them. Roommates Madeline Dennington, Bailey Mills, and Olivia Noe, all 23, were issued misdemeanor citations in connection with an October 31st football watch party at their East Nashville home on the 1200 block of Boscobel Street, south of Fatherland Street. So now everyone knows where the party is. Police spokesman Don Aaron said the women were served with court summonses on Monday and are slated to appear on the charges December 16th. According to an arrest affidavit, officers responded about 6.30 p.m. to a complaint about a loud party at the home, heard music blaring, and saw several people in the yard. In all, police said they found more than 100 people inside and outside the home. Man, that is a lot of people to have in, in, inside your house. I wouldn't want 100 people in my house ever, ever. That's a big mess to clean up later, especially a bunch of tw drunk 20-somethings watching a football game. Man, that's got to be a dumpster fire. When officers spoke to Dennington Mills and Noe outside, they told police they had organized a watch party at their home for the football game, the affidavit states. The officers told the women that at no time more than 25 people were permitted to gather in Davidson County unless the gathering was approved by the city. The women went inside and told everyone to leave. Police then alerted Metro health officials about the party. So the neighbors snitched on them, and now the popo have snitched on them as well. 
Hugh Atkins, Metro Health's Environmental Health Services Director, confirmed the health department did not receive an event application for the gathering. And do you know White Boy Malcolm X, they're facing up to a year in jail and a $2,500 fine for throwing this party. They should have just rioted. Then they could have like gotten a bunch of free stuff and nobody would have gotten in trouble or gotten arrested. Okay. Well, this is a creepy visual for everyone, especially gay men. So White Boy Malcolm X, <laughs> this one. Model claims sunbathing vagina for two hours a day boosted her libido. So in other words, folks, someone knows where their vagina is. And if you don't know what that means, listen to the podcast more often. Sunshine, lollipops, and libidos. A Brazilian model claims she has increased her sex drive with a little afternoon delight by way of sunning her vagina. Nothing better than morning sun, 23-year-old Letitia Martins, who goes by Luna LeBlanc, captioned, what is that, her, like her freaking hooker name or something, captioned a nude Instagram post of herself this week in which she displays her naked body, legs spread at the sun. Ugh. Disgusting, disgusting, disgusting. Did you know that exposing your private parts to the sun can provide you with more energy, increase your libido, improve circadian rhythm, and still help you get a good night's sleep? The bikini influencer continued in Portuguese, ending the post with a question to her 14,400 followers. Well, that's not a lot of followers for a bikini influencer. You are not influencing anyone, all things being relative. What did you think of this experience? She asked. Several studies have linked vitamin D to sex drive changes, although Martins doesn't cite any scientific backing for pointing your genitalia at the sky. Last year, and I actually remember this, wellness influencers, because it's really kind of creepy, were gripped by another new trend involving pointing one's nether regions at the sky, perineum sunning. Medical experts, however, were quick to dismiss its benefits. And so there you go, folks. If you're interested and you are a woman and you know where your vagina is and you want to get some more vitamin D and get your libido up, you know, you can just have your vagina get, get that sun. But if you are, you know, banging some guy who catches the COVID, your boosted libido from sunning your vagina is for not because he's, you know, his thing is not going to work after the COVID. I we have reported on um, Rose McGowan several times, and I just, I like this woman. I just, she is fearless, white boy Malcolm X. She is just, she goes at people, and she goes, you know, left and right. And I'm sure she and I don't agree on anything politically, but I I just think she's fantastic. Rose, if you are listening to this podcast, you are fabulous. <laughs> you are absolutely fabulous. Here's the headline. Rose McGowan times up a vile PR stunt, front for human traffickers. Shame on the actresses involved. Man, she took the ba- she got Lucille the baseball bat out, and she is whacking heads today. Actress Rose McGowan is once again taking out the trash in her inimitable, no feeling spared style. The Hollywood star and activist has targeted Times Up as the next left wing sacred cow to receive the heave ho. In an excoriating broadside, Rose McGowan blasted Times Up as a vile PR stunt in a tweet on Wednesday. She also blamed the A-list actresses who are involved in the group that was founded two years ago to combat sexual harassment in the wake of the Harvey Weinstein scandal. Stars including Reese Witherspoon, Jessica Chastain, Julianne Moore, and Alyssa Milano hold board positions within the organization. Actresses Eva Longoria and Ashley Judd sit on the group's governing board. So you got those six. And between them, one brain. 
In her tweet, Rose McGowan called out the Democratic public relations powerhouse SKD Knickerbocker, which represents the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund and SKDK executive Anita Dunn, who was a leading advisor on Joe Biden's presidential campaign. Dunn also advised Harvey Weinstein during the early days of his sexual harassment and assault scandal. Talk about the fox in the henhouse. And this is what she said. Fraud alert in all caps. At Time's Up, a vile PR stunt, a front for evil CAA and other human traffickers like Weinstein, McGowan tweeted, shame on you, shame. And that's all capitalized too. And shame on the actresses involved in this lie. Man. McGowan, and this is why, folks, this is why she was so pissed off. Listen to this. McGowan was reacting to a recent story revealing that Time's Up splurged big on executive salaries while spending relatively little on its stated goal of helping victims of sexual misconduct. So just like BLM, just like AOC, just like um, a lot of these folks, they all want to get paid. Another group that came to do good and are doing very well indeed. And that's why you know, I always joke about like um, the um, the Human Rights Campaign is my favorite professional gay organization. But they're the same way. I mean, they are all the same. They are they want to get paid. They want to have a, I call them the cocktail swishing queens in the professional gay organizations. But they all you know have these great little charities and they they pay themselves fancy salaries and and live up a lavish lifestyle and you know give out. A lot of them give out substantially less than they're they're spending on other stupid stuff like you know salaries and, and and fringe benefits and travel and all that kind of fun stuff. But enough of that. So you go get them, Rose. We love you here. Oh, this. <laughs> oh, man. We are. How many more stories we got? Okay, we got a couple more. This is another follow-up story, and this was from our Wednesday show. And on our Wednesday show, we had a lovely little tale, and I will give you that story. So there was this woman, and her name is Tia Vincent, and she is 32 years old. And Tia lives near a soccer field. And so she's she's doing whatever, and she sees these two boys, these two teenage boys out there, running around playing the soccer. And she, she's over there, and she saunters over, and she's like, Would you boys like some water? And she invites them over to her house. And they said, sure, sure, cougar lady, let's go to your house. So they all, the three of them, go back to the house, and they're sitting there talking, and then she she pivots the conversation to, you know, some naughty talk, and she takes one of the boys upstairs. And she, like, and the kid at the time said he thought he was going to, like, go up and watch TV or play video games with this woman and leave his friend down in the kitchen or what have you. So he goes up there, she's there, she's naked all of a sudden, and she gets on top of that boy who is 14 years old. And she gets on that boy and she rides him for five minutes. <laughs> She's having fun with that boy. And so, long story short, she gets her ass arrested for you know being a little bit of an aphibophile and, and going after some 14-year-old boy. And she claimed that he said that he was 16. Which to me is like, there's no damn difference. You're banging a 14 year He's still young, but apparently, and you know, I don't want to get all the... the high school teachers excited don't get too wound up now but the age of consent in britain is 16 years old so i know all of a sudden all the the teachers are moving to to england i warned you folks on wednesday you folks in england and we do have a pretty good audience people in england download this podcast 
you watch yourself. You get some 30-something-year-old American teacher applying to your schools. Do not hire her because she will bang every single boy in that school and it will be perfectly legal. So she gets arrested and she she gets put on trial for banging a 14-year-old boy. And her defense was, but he said he was 16. Like, again, like that, that makes things better, but apparently it does in England. And here's the headline. This is from The Sun. Tears of relief. Mum, 32, says it's been the worst two years of my life after she's cleared of having sex with boy 14. So she banged the 14-year-old. She got away with it. Like a lot of those teachers do. They get like probation. I think one teacher, she got put up for like 20 years in like Alabama or Texas, one of those states where they don't play around with that stuff. You bang an underage kid, you're going, your ass is going to jail for a while. But a lot of these places, you, you slap them with like probation and that's it. And this one... She gets the boy, and she she gets to go free. A mum today said it had been the hardest two years of her life, no pun intended, after she was cleared of knowingly having sex with a 14-year-old boy. Tia Vincent, 32, who was like more than twice this boy's age, admitted initiating sex with a teen at her home, but said she thought he was over 16. Again, like that makes it any better. After just one hour and four minutes, a jury of eight men and four women today found her not guilty of knowingly having sex with an underage boy. And, and white boy Malcolm asks, what do you want to make a bet about this jury? So you got eight men and four women. So those men were probably like, yeah, tiger, you little stud, get you get that cougar. <laughs> they were like, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I would have done it. And then those four women were probably all <laughs> high school teachers going, hmm, how do I, how do I get out of getting in trouble so this is a good one for them too i'll just bang him and say he lied the mum burst into floods of tears before she was discharged by john ian laurie qc so there you go folks tia vincent the predator woman who's gonna like if you kids if you live near her lock your teenage boys up because she's going after him and she gets away with it get away with it once she's gonna get away with it again How's this one, White Boy Malcolm X? Why prehistoric men were into the chubby chaser fetish? Well, let's dig into this. Body positivity in 30,000 BC? Voluptuous Venus figurines from the Ice Age Europe and Asia suggest that ancient people coveted obese women during lean times. Some of the earliest art in the world are these mysterious figurines of overweight women from all the time of hunter-gatherers in Ice Age Europe, where you could not expect to see obesity at all, said Dr. Richard Johnson of the University of Colorado and Schutz Medical Campus in his study on prehistoric fat fetishism published Thursday in the journal <laughs> Obesity. So Richard Johnson over at the University of Colorado, he's like, hmm, I think I'm going to study prehistoric fat fetishism. <laughs> Who the hell picks that as a, as a research study? Man, I... I like to see what his porn collection looks like. But those who are the modern-day fetish community now refer to as feeders or chubby chasers once had a much different reason behind their sex appeal. Johnson's team hypothesized that the ample figures, which number over 200 pieces that date between 14,000 and 38,000 years old, were viewed as symbols of survival during the epoch of extreme climate change. Hmm. Well, that seems like White Boy Malcolm X. Yes, I mean, yes, the climate, <laughs> extreme climate change, folks, 14,000 years ago. Wow, I I didn't know that was possible. I thought the earth just was 
completely pristine and, and frozen in time. And then 30 years ago, things just amazingly happened and the climate just started changing 30 years ago. But apparently, folks, there is there was extreme. Don't tell Al Gore. I mean, Al Gore has gotten rich. I mean, that man is a multimillionaire because he terrified children over and, and scared the hell out of people over over climate change and global warming. And man, it's it's been going on for quite a while. Hmm. Who knew? Who knew? And I'm not even. I got nothing. I got nothing on this this Chevy Chaser thing. If it floats your boat, it floats your boat. I guess it's been floating a lot of boats for a very long time. Okay, we are in San Francisco. Now let's go to the, the home of white supremacy and systemic racism. San Francisco bans indoor tobacco smoking, marijuana permitted. So folks, you can get as high as a kite, but do not put a freaking cigarette in your mouth. You're going to get in a lot of trouble. San Francisco city officials this week voted to ban all smoking inside of apartments with the exception of smoking marijuana. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors, which is about as nutty a group as you get, voted 10 to 1 to approve the move on Tuesday. And the one is probably going to get canceled at some point here soon. The legislation bans smoking inside of buildings with three or more units and in all common areas, although it does not apply to adult use or medical marijuana, CNN reported. The measure is targeted at protecting apartment residents from secondhand smoke, but apparently not not from not from getting high as a kite. Because your neighbor's high as a kite, and you're just, I, you know what? If that, it, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So white boy Malcolm X and I would go snowboarding over at uh, when we lived in Colorado. We would go up to Keystone uh, pretty much every weekend. Sometimes we'd go out to like Beaver Creek or something, but for the most part, we go to Keystone. That was just the place to be. We, it was fun. It was a great, great resort. And you, but you, we like to be first chair, and so you get there at like, you know, first chair was like at eight thirty. So we get there around seven thirty, go to like Starbucks, what have you, and just kind of ease into it and get in line. But like 7.30 in the morning, there were all these kids out there just smoking weed and getting drunk. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I want to be on the mountain with these kids. Probably been up all night anyway. But I mean, that parking lot at Keystone stinks like a, uh, a Grateful Dead concert. It just smelled horribly and it probably still does. But I guess that's perfectly fine if, if your apartment building stinks of, of weed, but you just can't smell like uh, of cigarettes. The president of the city's board of supervisors, Norman Yee, another nut who authored the legislation, tweeted Wednesday that secondhand smoke causes harm and everyone should have clean air to breathe where they live, except for marijuana smoke. I wonder, though, white boy Malcolm X, that because how are you going to enforce this, right? You're going to have to have people calling the police on their neighbors. And, and you know, San Francisco has the Karen law now where... Because it got so out of hand, that's what we call it, the home of systemic racism and white supremacy, because all these white people in San Francisco keep calling the cops on their minority neighbors who are doing things that are perfectly legal. And now the Karen law allows the minorities to turn around and sue the white people for racism. And basically, that's what the law is. And and so now I'm wondering, what if a white person <laughs> calls the cops because they, they're like, oh, you know how white liberals are. You know liberals, they, oh, I, I smell cigarette smoke. Ah, ah. And they just go into this like raging fit over cigarette smoke. And so they're probably going to be like, I'm calling 911. I'm calling 911. But then they got, ooh, is that the black guy that's smoking the cigarettes or is that the white guy? I can't figure out which of my neighbors is doing. Because if they call 911 and tattletale on the wrong neighbor, they could get, and what if they confuse cigarette smoke for weed because they're too, because they're stupid liberals? 
<laughs> they just smell any kind of smoke. They're like, cigarettes, cigarettes. So they got to run the risk now. This might be a little bit of fun to have to keep an eye on White Boy Malcolm X. You get some white guy calling the cops because his black neighbor's smoking weed. Man, getting his ass sued. Those folks out there, just, just what a shame that, that city. What a shame. Just That's all I got to say. What a shame. This is uh, this is another uh, this is like follow up follow up story Sunday. Um, this is a story we did a couple months ago. Uh, it's out of the Boston Herald, and here's the headline: uh, Boston University students who came up with "F it won't cut it" slogan go national. And what this is about is at BU they wanted to come up with some catchy little slogan to get people to be you know mindful of you know COVID and masks and all this other kind of stuff. So they, the kids. They let the kids just kind of run rampant, and the kids came up with this little catchy f- phrase, F it won't cut it. And they were like, hey, this works. This is a great thing. Let's just, let's just blast this all over campus um, because that was just the classiest thing to do. And to get through to the little little kids out there, they have to use profanity and think that's cool. So let's let's follow up what's going on with this story because it's, apparently it's, it's moved onto the, the national stage. Boston University students who came up with a provocative public health campaign amid the coronavirus pandemic soared to the national stage Wednesday as they were front and center at a CDC emergency response event about the virus. BU students who launched the F it won't cut it slogan on campus presented at CDC's webinar that explored using social media at colleges to promote positive health behaviors related to COVID-19. And that means, folks, you can do all, have all the sex you want. You just got to wear a mask when you're doing it. F It Won't Cut It was one of four public health campaigns from colleges across the country chosen to present at the COVID-19 emergency response webinar. And it was the only initiative fully run by students. This is a dream for us. We would have never thought that we would be noticed by the CDC as students, said Hannah Schweitzer, one of the students who work on the campaign. This is crazy. Yes, Hannah. Yes, it is, dear. The BU student campaign covers the importance of wearing masks, hand washing, and coronavirus testing. The campaign also explores how to talk to roommates about staying safe during the pandemic, reassessing the party lifestyle, mental health, and how to have safe sex in a COVID-19 world. It's key for a student-run campaign because students don't trust institutions, Schweitzer said. Only 7% of Gen Z puts a lot of trust in people of power, They're going to take everything coming from BU with a grain of salt, she said, later adding, the solution is a campaign by students for students. Students aren't trusting the institution right now, but they're going to take advice from their peers. And what advice it is, Hannah. F it won't cut it. You kids are so clever these days. And on that note, let's go to Florida. Yes, of course we have a Florida story, White Boy Malcolm X. When do we not... That's all that comes out of Florida. It's the crazy. This is the smoking gun. It's our smoking gun Florida story. Drunk Floridian busted after Chappelle's show. Man danced in street, yelled, I'm Rick James, bitch. And look at this guy. Look at this guy, White Boy Mega Max. This fat, white, bald guy. Running around, I'm Rick James, bitch. After punching a cab driver in the face early yesterday, an intoxicated Florida man, which to me is kind of redundant, jumped out of the taxi and began dancing in the street and screaming, I'm Rick James, bitch. According to an arrest affidavit, Paul Kijek, 50, exited a St. Petersburg bar around 4.15 a.m. Sunday and was kept from driving by multiple witnesses due to his level of intoxication. He probably wanted to drive to White Castle. 
<laughs> and get himself some of those nasty-ass hamburgers. When police subsequently arrived at the back bar, which <laughs> to me sounds like a gay bar, but I've never been there, and I've never been to St. Petersburg, so I'm just, just saying it sounds like one, but we don't know. They called for a taxi, which Kijek entered. However, Kijek began yelling at the driver and then allegedly punched him in the face as the car pulled out of the parking lot. God. Guy sounds like a bad version of Joanne Hardesty. Kijek, cops say, then jumped out of the vehicle and began dancing in the street. He screamed obscenities to include you white mother effers and I'm Rick James bitch. The six foot three, 300 pound Kijek, who lived less than two miles from the bar, his fat ass could have just walked home, was then arrested for battery and disorderly intoxication. Both, of course, in Florida, they're both misdemeanors. <laughs> oh, mercy. So, White Boy Macamex, you can punch your cab driver in the face. You can punch him and you can run around and scream, I'm Rick James, bitch. And, and, um, and it's just a misdemeanor in Florida. Well, the, the, what was that? Uh, was it the sex, the car sex? Was that the misdemeanor? Was, I think it was a DUI or something was a misdemeanor in Florida. Too. Everything's a misdemeanor in Florida. Man. And this is our last story. We usually finish with the, the smoking gun, but this one I just, I thought this one was slightly better. It was not as good as the uh, the college kid that liked to be cuffed and have his nipples pierced <laughs> from Wednesday's show. But this is from The Sun, and here's the headline. This is what we're ending with, folks. Crazed kangaroo tries to hump woman after smelling her Sarah Jessica Parker perfume. I don't know if... I would have made me run away, but, you know, I guess kangaroos are a little off. A frisky kangaroo leapt onto a terrified jogger after being attracted by the Sarah Jessica Parker perfume she was wearing. Sarah Jessica Parker has perfume, my boy Malcolm X. I I haven't seen anything she's done since um, that dumb... um, Sex and the City movie they did, the last one, that uh, the Paycheck movie, as I call them. So I don't know what she's doing. I guess she's got perfume. That's how she's paying the bills these days. Um, perfume that arouses kangaroos. <laughs> Tracy Noonan was running through the streets of Melbourne, Australia, when the animal suddenly pounced on her. The young mum said she felt a massive thump in the middle of her back, and she was quickly flattened. As I was running along the road, I saw the kangaroo out of the corner of my eye, and I didn't think much of it, she told Seven News. It started to get closer and closer towards me, and then it jumped the fence. That's when I started to panic and thought, what is this kangaroo doing? I felt it hit me in the back, and it actually knocked me to the ground. You know what we need? We need the, the theme from Jaws. <laughs> As I'm reading this, because that kangaroo's like, that horny kangaroo's like, you know, stalking her. And he's like, coming after, he's like, I'm going to get her. That, that luscious Sarah Jessica Parker perfume is turning me on. Man. Anyway, let's continue on. I felt it hit me in the back and it actually knocked me to the ground. Tracy later told the 3AW's breakfast show, so this chick, a kangaroo tries to rape her and she is all over the news talking about it. Man, I would be, that would be not be something I'd be going to the public with, but I guess she, she likes it. Probably put on her Instagram feed as well and Facebook Kangaroo tried to get me. I put my head back down because I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to claw me to death. It all sort of happened so fast. She believed the Rue, which continued to stalk her, was attracted by her Sarah Jessica Parker perfume. And this is how much it stalked her. The scared runner even threw rocks at the worked-up animal, but it just wouldn't back off. So that kangaroo was the Harvey Weinstein of kangaroos. He was going to get it and get it good, no matter what. 
It was something out of a horror movie, I thought. Oh my God, this kangaroo is going to kill me. It kept chasing me and chasing me into a person's driveway and into their front yard, she said. It was still there when I went to leave. When Tracy called a local ranger to report what had happened, she was told the kangaroo may be on heat. That is putting it mildly. And on that note, because apparently, folks, Sarah Jessica Parker perfume turns on kangaroos. I can't top that. I'm not going to top it. I'm not even going to try. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Miller Frost podcast. We may be back on Wednesday. I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll try. Uh, but if not, we'll see you back here uh, next Sunday. In the meantime, uh, you know, have a great start to your week, and we will see you here soon. Take care. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.